Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Good morning, Erickson Covenant, and welcome to those who are online as well. I'd like to just open with a word of prayer today. Father God, we gather together today to contemplate the Christmas story in a fresh way. I pray that you would bless these words today to you be all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Once upon a time, many centuries ago now, in a village far, far away, lived a couple named Anne and Joachim. We don't know much about them, honestly. We don't even know if those were truly their names. But for for today, we're just going to go with that. Are you ready to hear their story? Anne and Joachim lived in Nazareth, a small town roughly halfway between the Mediterranean and the Sea of Galilee, a long way north of Jerusalem. There were probably only a few hundred people living in that town, but it was large enough to have its own synagogue. Anne and Joachim, as well as their neighbors, were devout Jews, ordinary Jews, just regular, everyday people who loved God and followed his word as best they could. People like us, just ordinary people. They became the parents, tradition tells us, of two daughters, one of whom they named Mariam. They were good parents. They attended synagogue and they raised their girls in the Jewish faith, making sure they knew their history and the ancient scriptures. Young Mariam, along with her sister, learned to love God and to serve the family she would one day have. She learned to grind grain and bake bread. She learned to carry water from the village well. She learned midwifery and the care of young children. She learned to treasure purity and honesty and obedience. She learned a woman's place. Anne taught her daughter many things in preparation for the life she would lead as a godly Jewish woman. She only had 12, 15 years in which which to instill these values in her daughter because when Mariam had her first menses, she was considered marriageable. Her childhood, such as it had been, was over. Mariam knew that her parents would choose a husband for her and expect her to submit to their choice. She knew her husband would replace her father as the head of her household, uh, that she would likely move into her into her husband's parents' home after her marriage and continue to learn her duties from her mother-in-law. That's just how life was. Undeniably, the most important thing that Anne and Joachim taught their young daughter was to listen for God's voice in an era where there had been no prophet for 400 years. But there was always hope. Hadn't God promised a Messiah to come? 
didn't God always keep his promises? If anyone needed rescue, it was the chosen people in first century Palestine. They had been under Roman rule for a long time with other foreign rulers before that. Caesar Augustus was celebrated as a hero for bringing peace to Rome after the strife of civil war. He called himself, listen to this, he called himself a divine savior. He proclaimed freedom, justice, peace, and salvation. In fact, wherever his great deeds were announced, they were presented with the Greek term evangelion. Good news. Gospel. The upper society who embraced Caesar Augustus enjoyed wealth from trade of both goods and slaves from their many military conquests. The subjugated people loved him less. They thought less of his great deeds. His large army quickly squashed any rumors of revolution. He taxed his conquered peoples heavily. He took some as slaves and elevated others, such as Herod's family, to positions of authority. If there was anything the Jewish people wanted, it was a Messiah who would save them from foreign rule. And yet, as young Mariam became a woman, her thoughts were mostly on her own personal future. She wasn't anyone special, and she wasn't expecting to become anyone special. There was always a slight chance, of course. Didn't Isaiah the prophet say the Messiah would be born of a virgin? Did she and her sister and their friends giggle together and wonder if it might be one of them? They were virgins, after all. And then Joachim announced her betrothal to the local carpenter. Joseph. Mariam was up for it. She was not rebellious. Being rebellious wasn't really allowed. Those who didn't follow their parents were not following the Torah, and the punishments were swift, and they were real. Did she want to rebel? Would she have given more of a choice? I honestly don't think so. She was a girl with a tender heart who loved the God she knew of in the scriptures. She was an optimist. Life was good, and it was about to get better. She was ready. But, Mary, did you know? Did you have any idea of the enormous plot twist about to unfold? Because there she was, a young woman now, daydreaming of her upcoming marriage to Joseph. Joseph, he was amazing. He was gentle. He was kind. He was a hard worker. He was probably the match every girl in Nazareth was hoping for. And he was promised to her. And then an angel arrived. Exactly. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wait. Let's back up a little bit. Did she have a choice? Surely she had a choice. If she said no, she would have the amazing life with Joseph she had always dreamed of. She could picture that life. It was much like her mother's life and and their neighbor women's lives. But she had found favor with Yahweh. The Lord was with her. She loved God. 
She'd been taught obedience to him. He'd been silent for 400 years. And now he'd spoken to her. She had no doubt that Gabriel was from God. How could she say no? But how could she say yes? I mean, her reputation. You will conceive, the angel said. Maybe, maybe Gabriel meant after the marriage. Um, that, that would be good news. Not every woman could carry a baby. Uh, look at her cousin Elizabeth. She and Zechariah were elderly now, and they'd always wanted a family, and Elizabeth had never been pregnant. At least Mary would be spared that humiliation. You will name him Jesus. That's a good, strong name. It means the Lord is salvation. Good. Yeah, she could go with that. He will be great. Well, that was slightly less welcome than his name. Um, Goodness is better than greatness, right? Those who were great didn't much bother with ordinary Nazareth. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Wait, what? Did Gabriel mean that literally or figuratively? It must be figuratively, right? Or maybe in the way Psalm 2 meant when God said to King David, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The rabbi said that meant every king of Israel was a son of God. And she wasn't sure what to make of that. Uh, Herod wouldn't be thrilled, that's for sure. Uh, But honestly, the son of a village carpenter, even one in the line of Judah, he was not very likely to become king. On the other hand, it wasn't very likely for a 14-year-old girl to sit chatting with an angel. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Ah, so it was that meaning. It had been dozens of generations since the last legitimate king of Israel, almost as long as God had been silent, come to think of it. Gabriel was still talking. And he said... He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, for the first time, Mariam began to see beyond normal. Was her son to be the long-awaited one? The Messiah? No one had ever prophesied that the Messiah would never die. They said he'd drive out foreign armies, that the land would be free, that a thousand years of peace would follow. A thousand years, now that's a long time, but it's not forever. How would everyone know that the Messiah had come? Abiding peace, that's how. No more wickedness. Everyone would be kind to everyone else. People would learn God's ways, walk in his paths, and out of Zion, the law, the word of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem. Her son? The Messiah? The entire world would be transformed. The crooked would be made straight. The rough places made plain. And the glory of the Lord would be revealed. All the people on earth would see it together. No more violence. No more cruelty. Only loving joyous peace the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God wait one little minute the Romans talked about their gods like Jupiter who would descend to earth and rape young women filling them with their seed surely Yahweh wasn't like that Mariam knew how babies were made 
Her mother, Anne, had made sure she understood. And until now, the message had seemed beautiful, like heaven on earth, but not anymore. How could it be? She wanted to bear Joseph's baby, not someone else's, even God's. Marriage came first, intimacy second. How could it be God's will for it to be the other way around? Wouldn't it be a kind of adultery, even if it were with the Holy Spirit? Until now, there had been no conflict between her love for Yahweh and her love for Joseph. Her betrothed was God's gift to her, as she was to him. How would she tell her parents? How would she tell Joseph? Could any of them possibly understand? Could they believe her absolutely impossible tale? She'd be shamed in front of him, her sister, her parents, her grandparents, her friends, all of Nazareth. She'd be the one people looked at before before turning away and spitting in the dirt. Maybe they'd even spit on her. Who would help her raise this baby? Not her parents. Not Joseph. She'd lose his love. Nothing would be easy. Everything would be hard. How could she say yes? Gabriel saw that she was terrified. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? He was an angel. No one sat around chatting with angels. He told her not to be afraid. How could she not be afraid at a time such as this? Did she have a decision to make? Yes, she did. She could have said no. God has never forced himself on anyone through the history of the universe. She could have said no. Mary, did you know? Did you know what your yes would mean? This young woman looked beyond herself. The Messiah needed to come. She could see that she'd have to give up everything she knew and everyone she held dear for it to happen, the way the angel said. Joseph, her parents and grandparents, her sister, her friends, soon as everyone knew she was pregnant, her comfortable, predictable life would be over. She'd forever be charged with a crime, adultery, that she had not committed. She and her girlfriends might have pretended that one of them was a virgin who would conceive and bear a son, Emmanuel, God with us, but they'd never expected to be chosen. Mariam had never expected to be chosen. But here she was with an angel in front of her, chosen. And she had to choose too, all by herself, a momentous decision for a girl in the first throes of womanhood. If she said yes, she had to do it completely. She had to trust God wholly, not dutifully. After all, the Torah said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Did she love God that completely? Could she? Gabriel gives her one final tidbit on his way out. About that elderly cousin, Elizabeth? She's six months pregnant because nothing God says is impossible. Mariam remembers who is in charge and to whom she belongs. She remembers his character and his faithfulness, his promises and how he fulfills them. And she chooses to change the course of history at great cost to herself and her personal hopes for happiness. Mary, did you know what it meant when you said, 
I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, Mariam didn't miss that little bit about Elizabeth. The Bible doesn't tell us whether she told her parents her news before departing for Elizabeth's house, but I'm guessing not. I'm guessing at a lot of things in today's story. It's true. But I think Mariam was like, I have got places to be and people to see. I am out of this town. I'll be back in time for the wedding. The wedding that was very, very unlikely to ever happen. That was going to be tomorrow's problem. She had enough to deal with today. She journeyed for four days to get to her cousin's home in the hill country near Jerusalem. She walked in and Elizabeth's first words to her were, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. What a balm this must have been to Mary's troubled soul. No wonder she sang a song of glory to God. No wonder she stayed with Elizabeth for several months and maybe even was around for the birth of John. The clock is ticking. It prevents me from telling you about the angel talking to Joseph, not to Anne and Joachim, who were never mentioned, so we assume they remain distressed at their daughter's promiscuity. But at least Joseph understood and supported Mariam and married her immediately and took her with him when she was great with a child that was not his when Caesar Augustus proclaimed a census. Every good story requires the listener or the reader to suspend disbelief for a little while and just and kind of go with the flow of the story. And there's a lot in Mary's story that is way beyond our ability to comprehend. But you've been with me so far, I think, because it is pretty much gelled with what tradition tells us. But now my story is going to deviate a little bit from what most of us Westerners assume from countless pageants and Christmas carols and devotional retellings. I do have a reputable source for this variation. It's called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Kenneth E. Bailey, and I highly recommend it. Um, In fact, you can read the part about Jesus' birth in the Amazon sample. You don't even have to buy the book to, to read where I'm going with this. So if you're intrigued, let's keep going. Realize that we're now deviating a little bit from what we normally assume. Four days had never seemed so long as this trip to Bethlehem, Joseph's ancestral city. Did Mariam ride a donkey? One isn't mentioned in Matthew or in Luke, so they probably did not. They probably walked. And while they walked, they might have discussed where they'd stay once they arrived. Mariam reminded Joseph that her cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah lived really nearby to Bethlehem. And wouldn't she love to see them again, and especially that baby? But Joseph said the hill country was a little bit too far out of Bethlehem. It's a good backup plan, though, because Bethlehem was likely to be fairly full. But not to worry, he had plenty of family there, and no one would turn them away. It simply would not be done in their society. Not for a descendant of King David, 
never mind that Mariam was obviously pregnant and nearing her delivery date. Every Jewish family had guest accommodations, a guest room. They would find someone with a vacant room and all would be well. Being unable to email in advance or text, you know. One of Joseph's relatives opened his own home for them because their guest room was already full with someone else visiting. Yes, the family's animals also spent the night inside the house. That was the Middle Eastern way for millennia. It kept the house warm, and it kept the cow, the donkey, and the sheep from being stolen by bandits. Luke did not bother mentioning that the manger was inside the house because where else would it be? Every house had a manger in it for their animals. Everybody already knew that. There's no point in telling people what they already know. While they were there, probably not the first night, the time came for the baby to be born. The women of the house and the neighborhood gathered around Mariam, after booting Joseph and all the other menfolk outside, and helped her give birth to her firstborn son. After they'd counted his tiny fingers and toes, marveled at that shock of beautiful dark hair and that perfect face, they wrapped him in strips of cloth and showed Mary how to nurse her newborn. And then they let Joseph and the other guys back in the house so everyone could marvel at this absolutely perfect infant. When the shepherds showed up at the door a while later, they were welcomed in to see this wonderful baby too. The shepherds did not need to think, you're stuck off here in a stinky, smelly cave slash stable somewhere. Come with us. We can take better care of you than this. They didn't need to because they were already being perfectly well taken care of by their family. And they had named their baby Jesus, as Gabriel had told them. Everything was going well. Finally, the quietness of the night settled over them. Their host family was over in the other part because it was a one-room house except for the guest room. So the host family was nearby asleep. Possibly someone was snoring. Closer to the door, the animals also settled for the night. Perhaps the cattle were lowing. (laughs) Tucked into a manger nearby, the perfect size for a baby crib, Jesus slept, as newborns do. Maybe Joseph slept too, one arm curled around his wife. But Mariam? She lay awake. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It wasn't the last time she did that. As her son grew to manhood, there were many, many, many more moments to contemplate. Mary, did you know She had been carrying the Prince of Peace within her for nine months, literally peace inside of her. Emmanuel, God with us, literally inside of her. Peace did not leave her with the birth of her son, but she still had questions and things to ponder. What if she'd said no to Gabriel? What if she'd insisted on remaining an ordinary girl from Nazareth? Would she have been filled, this filled with peace? Would her life be better? She had peace with her decision, even though she must have recognized there were still many unknowns ahead. How would her son become king? That was a big one. 
How would he snatch Israel from Rome's grip and save their people? Really big questions. She didn't know the answers to them, but she trusted God. Faith, after all, is the confidence that, uh, in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And Mariam had faith. She couldn't see the road in front of her. She didn't know how things would turn out, but she had faith because she knew who had called her. Today, I want to ask you, are you willing to extend the kind of trust that Mary did? We always want to know how things will turn out, don't we? I know I do. Pretty sure I'm not alone. It's hard to have faith when everything is unclear. But have you ever thought of it? That's the only time it is faith. We know he wins in the end, but the road between is full of twists and turns, hills and valleys. Mary faced an unknown future, no matter what the song says. Sure, she knew some things. She knew what Gabriel had told her. She knew what the prophets had foretold, what Simeon had said in the temple. But she couldn't see all the way to the finish line either. What's the next step of faith for you? Maybe you're here today or watching online, not sure you believe this story at all, let alone my version of it, from Kenneth Bailey's book. It's so different from what we traditionally hear this time of year. Maybe your next step is to ask God, did you really come to earth as a tiny baby to save me from my sins? Open your heart this Christmas Eve and let God's peace answer that question for you. Maybe, maybe you're faced with an impossible decision. Mariam certainly was. But she stepped into her choice with faith that God would see her through. She knew God would win in the end. And that it would all be worthwhile. And that her part was to obey and take the next step. And then the next one. And then the next. God gave her peace as she did so. God wants to give you peace too. Won't you spend time this Christmas Eve day pondering these things in your heart? Father God, I pray for peace today. I pray for the ceasing of war, for the calming of chaos. As we're inspired to contemplate Christmas in a fresh way this season, please fill our hearts with your hope, love, joy, and peace. You said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We keep our eyes fixed on you, looking to you in hope, and we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.